today on City Cash Chicago. We're live at the Silver Room at Hyde Park, and like every Friday, we're looking back on the week. But before we jump into that, we're going to talk about the Silver Room block party, which takes place next weekend at Oakwood Beach. It's Friday, July 8th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is City Cash Chicago. All right. You don't get that in in the crib, <laughs> like recording in the closet. I've never once got an applause from that. Uh, uh, I'm here live at the Silver Room with Eric Williams, the founder of the Silver Room, one of the founders of the Bronzeville Winery, and the creator behind the Silver Room Block Party. Eric, thank you for welcoming us in your house today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, Eric, I mean, I've been coming to this store here in Hyde Park for at least the last five years, performing in grown folk stories, giving you... Uh, I'm not going to say the amount of money that I've been putting <laughs> here, but it's it's quite much. I mean, every birthday gift, every Christmas gift I've given to my close friends and family has probably come from the Silver Room over the last few years. Uh, for people who've never been here, what is the the vibe and the vision behind the Silver Room? Because it's much more than a than a store. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it's a retail store. Inherently, it's retail. But my background, I studied business. I studied finance at UIC. Also, I've been DJing since the 80s. So okay. it's always just been like this mixture of, of business, entrepreneurship, and also arts and culture. A lot of my friends were visual artists, poets, writers, and I wanted to have a space that they could be a part of also. So, you know, I had to make money, of course. So we use the model of retail to pay for a lot of things we like to do to have fun. Uh, grown folk stories, initially the block party, hosting, book signings, record release parties. So it's like a community space slash art gallery slash retail space. When somebody walks into the Silver Room, what's the environment you're trying to give them? I mean, you got music going on here. It's very black in this mug. Like, what, what's the experience you want to curate for people? You know, I think about how people feel when they walk into a friend's house, you know? Um, I think about the art on the wall. I think about the way it smells, trying to get all the, all the senses, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The music, again, I, I DJ, so that's very important. I'm, you know, I grew up in the 80s, so house music is a big part of my life. Wow. Uh, you know, even if people don't buy things, I want them to walk out saying, that was a great place. I had a good time in here. It was a good vibe in here. That's what's most important. I mean, it's hard to come in here and, and not buy things, if, if I'm that's being good. real with you. You've curated the block party. There was a concern for a while, people wondering, will it come back when other festivals were starting to pop back up? You know, the Silver Room Block Party had not yet, you know, come back into the streets. And now it's bigger than ever. It's moving down to Oakwood Beach. Tell me how excited you are for, you know, kind of reemerging with this thing. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very excited, actually, because it's a chance to do something different. Mm -hmm. You know, it got so big over here. It was, you know, it was too big, honestly. It was too many people. You couldn't hey, walk down the street. I've been out here on 53rd Street. If, if you don't know how to, like, pop in <laughs> off the side streets, you will be lost and stuck in there. Yeah, it was a big crazy. So now, you know, it's going to be gated off. It's different. It's a ticketed event, but it has to be ticketed because we have I have to have somebody help me to pay for this. And so we say this is as a community, this is our event. So I feel like it's going to feel like it used to be in, in many ways. You know, it's going to be people who are very intentional about being there. Um, I can do more things. I have more space. We can have more activations. Um, I'm, I'm very excited about it. So We're going to talk more about the Silver Room, about the activations, about the lineups. Uh, but now we're going to do what we do every Friday, and that's, that's shoot the shit with some amazing voices from around the city of Chicago. Eric, I want to thank you for, for, again, letting us in your house, talking to us about not only the history with the Silver Room, but the block party that's taking place next weekend. Thank I you, appreciate brother. you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Cut. <laughs> Thank you. 
joining me this week to break down some of the stories that we were following. I've got Jamie Nesbitt Golden, award-winning journalist with Block Club Chicago, covering Bronzeville in the near south side. And I got Mickey Kendall, writer, diversity consultant, and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Hood Feminism. Welcome to CityCast Chicago, y'all. You know, Chicago, we got to do it big. Uh, Jamie, uh, how do you and, and Mickey know each other? Because this is your fifth time on City Cash Chicago. Mickey, this is your first. But when y'all got here, y'all headlocking each other, <laughs> nicknames no, Jamie, flying. Jamie never put me in a headlock. Jamie has the upper no, body strength of a kitten. Put, okay, okay. Uh, so Mickey anyway, put Jamie let me ask. Let, let me answer the man's question. <laughs> okay, okay. You go ahead. So I think about almost 20 years ago, we were in a, an online community called Live Journal. And um, <laughs> Satan I here. some people... Wow. Satan here was uh, bullying people on the internet. I was and I was scared into people. being I was friends with her. I was, I was facilitating conversations. So we started talking on there. Somebody was trying to bully somebody's child. And I think we formed Voltron to uh, make a racist troll go away. Right. We met in person. It was immediately Statler and Waldorf. It's a journey. It's been a journey. I, you have to understand that uh, it was like when you meet the other side of the coin for when you are two-faced. <laughs> so. We go jump, right? Well done. I'm just saying. You a whole villain. Okay. Both of us. Thank you very much. Mickey, I got your book right here in front of me, Hood Feminism. I'm going to need you to put your, your, your okay. autograph on that at some point. But can you tell me a little bit about the book and, and tell listeners a little bit about the book? So Hood Feminism is Chicago born and bred, just like everything else about me. Um, I grew up on the other side of Hyde Park, not this cute end over on Drexel. You Ingleside, Drexel. But anyway, so the book is about both everything and the tiny parts of being a black girl from the south side of Chicago. And I wanted to talk about what happens to black and brown women. One of the things about being from this city is that even though people always describe Chicago as super segregated, it's segregated for white people. Nobody ever really talks about how black and Latino and Asian and all of these other communities, we interact, we go out, we kick it, we eat, we hang out, putting, you know, their elotes and their, and their, their rib tips on the same plate. But because of that, when you step into feminism, which is really what it's technically about, and you see white women talking about individual things and all of this individual action, you kind of end up going, what the hell are you doing? Because you're talking about being a CEO and people are going hungry. People are being unhoused. And so I, I wanted to talk about that. I didn't think people would rock with this book the way that they have. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Also, thank you to Chicago for being the kind of folks who, when I've seen y'all do this, walk up to people like, no, you need this book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, we're going to surely come back to the book as we move through this conversation, because as you, you lay out, it's important to have a true black feminist lens when we look at topics like housing, education, gun violence, uh, a few of the stories we're going to cover in today's episode. Jamie, I'm going to get started with you. Uh, you know, Fourth of July was this week, and in true American fashion, uh, things got kicked off with a mass shooting just less than 30 miles outside of the city. Uh, I know that's the top story a lot of the people in this room, a lot of people listening have been following. Can you kind of catch up, up on that? Um, so they managed to find the shooter within a matter of hours. Um, he was a Highland Park resident. His father was a uh, candidate for mayor back in 2019. Um, he had a long history of red flags, um, you know, social media postings, um, YouTube videos, um, Discord stuff. Like there was all this stuff that uh, that could have been 
should have seen before this happened, uh, but that didn't happen. Well, we also aren't talking about the fact that he went all the way to Madison, Wisconsin, contemplating a shoot-up. It's fundamentally an act of cowardice to shoot into a crowd of unarmed children, elders, right? He orphans a child in this. And then we're having the same conversation, and this sort of has to the book, and about, well, we don't know how this happened, but we can look at the pattern of mass shooters, where they're from, what they look like, their gender, all of that. Their and, ideology. Um, their, their ideology. Their YouTube rabbit holes. Right. They, well, the YouTube, the 4chan, all of it. And it's all the same script. It's not a lone wolf. They're a community. And they're a community based in hate. At some point, the conversation isn't lone wolves. It's what's happening. How are they being radicalized? I mean, I'm going to tell you that I know people are going to say they're being radicalized online, and I'm going to tell you that I but think they're being no, radicalized no, in their from, house. From birth. Like, right. I mean, from the time they start walking. The radicalization is uh, in the house. It just happens I mean, to play it's, out it's, online. It's all around them. It's, it's mm-hmm. easily accessible. You know, mm-hmm. uh, To catch people up again, uh, he's been charged with seven counts of murder, yes. more to come. Uh, seven people were killed. Dozens more were injured. But I think one thing that people have like kind of brushed under the rug is, again, these guns were obtained legally. His father signed on to them. Like yep. he, he, with all of these, you know, red flags in his background, he was still able to go through that process. Like Jamie, even, can you talk right, about and, and that? I think, um, so what was interesting is that not only was there the incident with the the family member uh, a few prior to this, there was also a suicide attempt. Um and his father had some clout in Highland Park, and I think that might have contributed to the, you know, the fact that this guy was able to get away with what he did. Yeah, and we talk so much when gun violence hits close to home for us about the disinvestment in our communities. We need to talk about the investment in white supremacy that makes these mass shootings possible because time and time again, you, you see that red thread run right back to this, this upholding, this sheltering of, of, of white supremacist ideology. I mean, Mickey, you had a military background. You've handled weapons like this. You've talked in the book about shooting at the range. Like, I mean, should these weapons just be widely available? Should somebody, even with their father's help, be able to access these type of weapons? I'm going to tell you honestly, for when we're talking AR-15s, other rapid fires, I know people are going to say, it's not an assault rifle, and I'm going to tell you that they're highly customizable. And if I know that it takes a $12 kit to make it fully automatic, so do you, person sitting there assuming I don't know anything about weapons. We have a problem where we think that weapons that you can't hunt with, that are not for home defense, because let me just tell you, if you fire off an AR-15, a Tech 9 whatever, you're not keeping your house intact either. You're going to kill people. That's what they're for. That's all they're for, right? I've fired rocket launchers, M16A2s, grenade launchers, all of that. None of those should be on the street. Not only should they not be on the street in the hands of civilians, cops shouldn't have them. They should be in the, in the military. They have to be in an armory. You need a, a pass and permission, and there's all these checks and balances. You don't need any of these for home defense. I believe as long as we're not going to take guns off the street, that we're going to have to handle them like we handle a car. You need a license. You need hours of training. You would have to relicense for those weapons regularly. You would have to have them secured. They wouldn't be in your home. They wouldn't be as easily accessible. One of the easiest things to get from Indiana, because I'm going to say this too, Indiana and Wisconsin's gun laws make Illinois' gun laws irrelevant. Guns do not recognize borders. Guns will go where they go. You can inherit them. You can ship them. You can transport them. You can build them. You can fabricate them. So if we're going to have this culture, we need to have what the Second Amendment actually says. Right. Everybody loves to quote the second, but the well-regulated part of that amendment gets dropped every fucking time. I'm sorry. Mm. I have very strong opinions. (laughs) 
I, I just was going to be quiet because I was like, something got to come after that. I don't want to start it. Ooh. Um, I'm going to transition here to another uh, topic that we've been covering a lot on the show, uh, which is housing insecurity in Chicago. Uh, but I know you had a story that you've been watching for the last month, uh, and I know a lot of people have talked about it in the city of Chicago, uh, and it has to do with one of our alders. Uh, can, you, can you catch folks up on that story? So Alderman Taylor, a couple weeks ago, posted a copy of the letter she received uh, telling her that she had finally qualified for CHA housing. She first filed for that uh, 30 years ago as an 18-year-old. 1993. <laughs> right. Right. As an 18-year-old single mother. 30 years later, 30 years, well, 29, but we're going to say 30. They said, oh, hey, you can have housing. And here's the thing about Chicago and housing. We don't want to go the way of New York, where a two-bedroom apartment is $4,000. I don't know why people are obsessed with the idea that raising more luxury places will somehow fix our housing crisis. Chicago has buildings. Chicago has tons and tons of housing. Rents have gone up, but CHA is not getting more staff. Section 8 is not delivering more vouchers. People are not turning around to find themselves with a rent cap, rent subsidies, any of the things that would be necessary. And Chicago is big enough, I'm going to be honest with you all, that it's ridiculous we have any people who are unhoused. Because if you look at Utah, and I know I'm about to upset everything, Utah's re resolution for homelessness was, let's just start giving people houses. We have empty space, let's use it. We sat down with Alderwoman Taylor a few weeks ago, and she, like you, said the same thing. I see the budget. I'm here every month on time, and I know what we spend our money on, and we can't do it. And she has an ordinance that's just been you know, getting pushed down further and further in city council. Jamie, I know you're covering the, the affordable housing crisis, not only in your neighborhood, but across the South Side. Uh, you know, how can we get city council to move on this? Because again, it's not money, it's not land, it's not space. It's as Alderwoman Taylor said, it's about political will. Well, yeah, but the problem, the problem is that a lot of those aldermen are also property owners, so you're going to have a bit of a pill battle. Um, all I can say is we have to continue to organize. Like, Jeanette Taylor um, comes from an organizing background. So in that case, we do have to sort of, again, sort of mobilize, organize, talk to each other, because I am seeing, you know, Brinson Bronzeville go for, like, I know you don't think, you know, two bedrooms go for 4000 here, but... They kind of do. They're, they're, they're getting up there. I know there. they're getting up there. I'm pretending it's not happening. <laughs> can't you just get five minutes? Let me dissociate it for a second. I grew up in 40s in the Michigan, and I can no longer afford to live there. Like, if I move back to my own neighborhood, I can't afford to move there. Uh, listen, I, so, I yeah. grew up over, in, over here. The rent, I have seen places that were $600 when my kids were born jump to three I'm selling grand. drugs. Like, right. I have to sell drugs on the side now. Also, we need to kind of, you know, check some of these aldermen who do own considerable amounts of property. Every single Friday, we want to make sure that with all of these big stories out here, right? Alderwoman Taylor's story went viral. Highland Park has been all over the news. There are a lot of stories that don't get that same amount of attention that might just kind of wash under. So I want to quickly put some attention on those stories. Jamie, what's your story this week that you want to make sure people don't forget? Um, so, so the city is doing a good thing um, in that they are investing millions of dollars in infrastructure. So last month we saw like the traffic deaths of, of two uh, toddlers on the north side. 
Um, and there was like an immediate response uh, from the city in that they're erecting uh, miles of barriers of, of, of uh, along bike routes, which is a good the start. concrete barriers. Right, concrete yeah. barriers. Um, so in addition to that, um, yesterday I covered um, Lightfoot's press conference at Motor Row where she announced that they are now um, investing millions of dollars in streetscapes, which means widened sidewalks, um, LED lighting, um, repaved you know, roads, and um, they've shrunk the lanes from four to three to make it easier for pedestrians to cross because... Um, and I didn't know this until yesterday. Apparently, a lot of traffic deaths, a lot of pedestrian deaths, are, are largely black and Native American folks. So, um, in, in uh, Chicago last year, there was 174 um, traffic deaths. So, like, we have a problem. And there's supposed to be 10 other streetscapes being installed across the city. Um, several on the south side, including Inglewood, uh, Bronzeville, and Auburn Gresham. Um, so, yeah, um, I think by the end of the year, there should be at least three or four more uh, ribbon cutting ceremonies for those. Yeah. And they say by the end of 2023, we should get all of those yep. protected bike lanes. Yep. Uh, for people who might not be familiar with the motor road, we're talking South, like South Loop off South Loop. Michigan. So, like, yeah. So like 24th and Michigan, where mm -hmm. there used to be like nothing but auto dealerships. Right. Somebody who rides his bike all the time, <laughs> who sees all of the advertisement and the encouragement for people to get on their bikes. You got to invest in keeping mm -hmm. people safe and, mm -hmm. and not only keeping people safe, but making the city more bike friendly by not just putting lanes, but reappropriating appropriating yep. parts of sidewalks, making sure there are design elements, that there's space between traffic and, and the people on their bikes. It's, uh, it's real dangerous uh, out here in these streets. Uh, again, we've already had four children under the age of 15 yep. killed just last June. I want those traffic patterns to take into account not just people on bikes, but pedestrians, people in strollers, people yeah. in chairs, because you know one of the things Chicago's also had a problem with, if you've ever looked at the curb maintenance, uh, <laughs> when the winter time, I don't know what happens where people think sidewalks don't need to be cleared all the way to the street, where we are not making sure that that little ramp is actually accessible, but Chicago could do a little more of that too while it's at it. Mickey, you talked about, uh, you know, growing up over on Drexel. You, your <laughs> underhype story this week is one that I know a lot of people might have missed with, with the Tudor homes. You want to catch us up on that? All right. So Tudor Gables was a black co-op on 4850 South Drexel is the exact address. Recently, uh, the owners were talked into selling, the board was talked into selling to a developer. 312. Uh, yeah. So they talked them into buy, into, into selling. People who had signed leases were then suddenly given absolutely no time to move out. Also, though, the owners who were originally told that they were making all of this money, the next break in the story was all the holdbacks for taxes, for all of these things. So people were finding out after the fact that they had given up housing that was affordable, not actually made the profit that they expected to make because they were hit with the capital gains taxes, among other things. And then 312 didn't hold up to any of the promises that would ordinarily be required. They evicted the people who couldn't afford to leave in the middle of the eviction moratorium because yep. they used a loophole. So when we're talking about housing as a crisis in Chicago, Co-ops were a solution. Co-ops have been systematically gutted. Co-ops are being systematically sort of driven out of existence. It's also important to note with, with Tudor Gables is that 
evictions have to go through the county. So we were in an eviction moratorium, but they didn't even go through the process no. of, of standardizing this. They started construction on the building. They turned off water, cut the gas. Uh, they opened it up where you had individuals from out who didn't live there coming in, still indoors. Uh, a, a mother in the Southside Weekly piece talked about coming home to somebody actually taking her door off of the hinges and, and walking out with it. And so this de facto eviction that took place to make the, the living space in, uninhabitable is the way 312 chose to go about it. Every single episode, we leave our listeners with some good news to get them through the day, to get them through the weekend. So I want to quickly get what is y'all moment of joy this week? Jamie, what's your some good news for the people? Um, the Chosen Few picnic is back. It was fucking fantastic. Uh-huh. Jackson Park um, last weekend. Yes. Um, just kicking it, you know, dancing with strangers, um, drinking copious amounts of alcohol. And like, I mean, it was love. Like, I, I went with my best friend. She came in uh, to town from Atlanta, and uh, it was like a family reunion. Like, we, every few minutes, you're running into people that you, you know, either knew from the block or from high school or from college. I think, you know, these festivals, these places where we, you know, you know can show love and, and love on each other, like, that's what keeps us going. That's, you know, even with all the bullshit that happens in the city, you know, this is stuff we look forward to. So yeah. I, I got the Eric Williams original on right now, Chicago <laughs> Creative House Music. We just talked with DJ Lori Branch, Lauren Lowry, about the history, charting it from the 1970s through now. Yep. Um, I hope people will listen to that. But, you know, house music didn't need the revival that people no, are saying. No. It's getting, even though it, it, Beyonce, it. It was alive like, and well. Beyonce did hit up... Um, Terry Hunter, mm -hmm. and he played the remix of uh, Break My Soul at the house picnic, and everybody went fucking wild. It was dope. Like, hey, Isaiah and the Chosen Few are going to be at the Silver Room Block Party, so we're going to come out there. It's going to have a real house vibe uh, on that stage as well. Um, what is your some good news for the people, Mickey? So here's the thing. Summer in Chicago, the whole thing is good news. The whole thing. The whole thing. And here's why I say that. I, every weekend... In Chicago, I think, in the summer, I'm going to go to all the things. And there's always like 37 things, <laughs> right? Because whether I am eating barbecue, I'm shaking my ass at Lollapalooza, I'm shaking my ass at one of the street festivals. We did, but like we had a great time at Lala last year. Yes, like we, we did. We threw our ass in a circle. Listen, <laughs> Megan Thee Stallion came and put on a hell of a show, and I got to throw my ass in a circle and for we, real, for we real. Formed, like, he got to play security. It was great. Uh, <laughs> formed Auntie Voltron. Yeah, we yeah. did. And so. I mean, you know, but Chicago in the summer is such a vibe. Come outside, dance, have a good time. Eat some ribs. Take your ass, right, eat some food, meet your neighbors, take everybody goes home safe and happy. Let's just try that. Let's try doing that every weekend, every night in this city. Because summer in Chicago could be so great if people would act like they had good sense and home just training. had a good time. You know, time. when it's hot outside, again. Home outside. training, as the elders would say. When it's hot outside, put on less clothes, rip up on something, <laughs> have a drink. That's all you got to do. Hey, there, there are plenty of things taking place this weekend. People can also look at our City Cash Chicago Summertime Shy bucket list if they need some opportunities for things to do. We've promoted festivals all week from Rogers Park to West Fest um, to, you know, live theater out in South Shore. But my some good news to get the people through the weekend is what we're here to talk about, which is the Silver Room Block Party. Sitting pretty, love my tiggo biddies, told him pet the kitty, tell it pay. He don't listen, make him pay attention, paint a picture, he ain't said I'm, I'm excited for Mother Nature. 
which is a fantastic uh, group uh, from the city of Chicago. Shout out to True, shout out to Clever, and Deeply Rooted Dance. Uh, the activations that the Silver Room Block Party is gonna have with uh, Lou Lemon, with some some yoga going on. You got DJ. Y'all come out and throw y'all ass in the circle. Afro karaoke too. Yeah, Afro karaoke okay. gonna I be mean, out there. I mean, and, and let's just say, I mean, I know it's Lou Lemon, but those two can hold up if you want to twerk. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, I want to thank Jamie Nesbitt Golden from Block Club Chicago and Mickey Kendall, the author of Hood Feminism, for joining us uh, for our very first live podcast statement. I really don't think I could have brought two more chaotic individuals with me. <laughs> so thank y'all for joining us at the Silver Room. It's been my pleasure. Yes, ma'am. To talk a little bit more about my some good news this week, the Silver Room Block Party, I got one of the hosts of the Block Party and a Chicago radio legend. I mean, you've been on the radio for what, the last 40 years? Ramonski Love in the building. Welcome to City Cash Chicago. I was, I was five years old when I started. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everybody. Hey, man, so I, I want to jump in. What, what energy and, and what, do you, uh, what vibe are you expecting to bring and to I'm the And I'm glad party? you brought that up. Energy is the key. Mm -hmm. um, I'm an MC, which is a master of ceremonies, meaning you do not get on the mic and whisper. You, you want to get people's attention. So what I bring, which I've been bringing ever since I've been in radio or hosting shows or concerts, is energy. Mm -hmm. So I don't care what style of music it is. You got to bring the energy. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be there with, with Sam Chapman, his oh. daughter, Samantha Chapman, is going to be introducing him, one of the godfathers of Steppin'. Um, you know, how big of a deal is the block party? You didn't see so many street fests in your life. Well, the, the, your last guests that were on, they talk about how epic Chicago summers are. Mm -hmm. and, and we have all types of music. And, and, and that's, what, that's what makes uh, Chicago... Um, so cool in the summer, I think all year round. But the block party brings that. It's gonna have everything. Mm -hmm. and, and if you stay at home, then don't call me Monday saying, ooh, I missed it. Cause your A is out, <laughs> and B and C. Um, it, it's something that, that needed to happen for, for this area, for this uh, community, this neighborhood. And because it's all walks of life that that are in this this area, so let's let's bring the music piece to it, and let's put Ramonski Love on that microphone. <laughs> Tell somebody why with everything that's going on in Summertime Shot, why next weekend they need to pull up at the block party. Well, first of all, you're going to have an experience out of this world, and the reason why it's it's moved from the high park area because it's growing. That means more performers, more vendors, uh, and, and it's, it's Chicago summertime. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm excited. Can we start today? <laughs> uh, again, I want to thank Ramoski Love, one of the hosts uh, at, from the Silver Room Block Party. I want to thank the Silver Room for hosting us today, the City Cast, the City Cast crew that helped make it happen, uh, Caroline Patton and producer Lizzie Goldsmith. And of course, I got to thank the team behind City Cast Chicago. That's lead producer Kerry Shepard. Make some noise for Kerry, y'all. Hey, Kerry. Make some noise for producer Simone Alisea. So uh, I got to thank our newsletter writer, Sydney Madden. Uh, 
Hey, Sid, the music that people are hearing not only comes from some of the artists who are going to be at uh, the Silver Room Block Party, but from Sam Thousand, Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop, and all the kimonos. Remember to sign up for our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm and take our summertime shot bucket list challenge. We're back on Monday. I'll talk to y'all then. Peace. Where's my good news? <laughs> oh, you got some good news for the people? Yeah, I got some good news. What's your good news? Get your A down here to the Silver Room Block Party. <laughs> Some good news. I like that. All right, y'all. And I want to thank everybody who came out today for the people who are watching or giving us this applause. Thank y'all for showing up. And we out this piece.